Hello, this is Carl Hayden, President of the Academy for Advancing Leadership. Welcome to AAL Leadcast. Today, I'll talk with Dr. D. Ramsell about self-care during times of stress and crisis. Dr. Ramsell is a senior consultant with AAL and has been an executive coach for over 20 years. Her credentials include a doctorate in psychology, an MBA degree, experience as a manager and leader, and she has served as a member of the Senior Executive Service in the federal government. As an executive herself, Dr. Ramsell has faced the same problems that we're going to be discussing today. Our topic, self-care. Dr. Ramsell, let me begin with a basic question. What do we mean by self-care? Well, that's a good start to this conversation. Actually, this is an area that has a formal definition, a lot of research underlying it. Um, But rather than get into those kinds of pedantic discussions, let me just say that in general, we talk about taking care of yourself in a normal world of your physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual needs. Now, in times of crisis, we generally abbreviate that to taking care of your physical and emotional needs. And for people in business, we think about taking care of those needs so that you can best serve your company. Um, In general, then, we're thinking about things like sleep, your diet, getting some exercise, taking breaks during the workday, and and stress reduction. Good. Thank you. Well, as I think about crisis management and and when a leader is in the middle of a crisis, the tendency is to have a laser focus on addressing a set of new and emerging issues. And time is of the essence. So how can one give attention to self-care when chaos, they're in the chaos of a crisis? You are absolutely right. Um, Executives and leaders tend to focus on solving the problem that brought the crisis along. Uh, The next thought might be about other stakeholders, their employees, their... um, Then they're probably thinking about the family and the very last thing they're thinking about is themselves and they may even feel guilty for spending even one minute thinking about themselves. I think probably the best thing that you can do is give yourself permission for self-care. You know, if you're on an airline flight, the flight attendant makes the announcement to put on your own oxygen mask first so that you can take care of others. And that's equally true in this kind of situation. If you don't take care of yourself well, you're not going to be able to take care of your organization and your other stakeholders well. Actually, the research shows there's great benefits to self-care, such as positive feelings like happiness, boosting your confidence, making better decisions, remaining calm so that you can make better decisions, very important in a crisis, and even improving your interactions with other people and your creativity. So there's lots of good reasons to focus on self-care and make some time. Probably the easiest thing is to schedule a little bit of time each day during a crisis for self-care. Even it's simple as a call to your family, getting a little exercise, or uh, taking a, a time out, a break. If the, I was going to ask you, uh, thinking about just the practices of self-care, um, taking a break, uh, making a call, to your family? Are there other um, specific things that you would recommend uh, to leaders who are, you know, in the, in the midst of chaos, 
um, to take care of themselves. Yeah, so we talked about the physical care needs. And still the number one of those for most executives and leaders in crisis is getting enough sleep, believe it or not. And, and re more recent research has shown that most people need six to nine hours of sleep. And even though they might think they only need two or three hours. And so one of the most important things you can do is to make sure you're getting some good sleep. And uh, the second area that people focus on in physical well-being is diet. It's tempting to not eat at all because you're so busy during a crisis or to eat too much or the wrong kind of food. You don't have to go overboard on this, but just make sure that you're eating some healthy food. Uh, getting a little bit of regular exercise, even if it's just sitting at your desk and doing the kinds of aerobic or anaerobic exercises you can do at your desk is, is helpful. Decreasing stress. For some people, that's a little bit of meditation or a little bit of, of yoga. One of the most simple things that leaders can do that doesn't take a lot of time is to close their door and do deep breathing. Even if it's only one, three, or five minutes, breathe in through your nose, hold it out through your mouth, and focus on your breathing. It's a really good way to get centered and to get a little distance from the crisis and to come back refreshed. Great, thank you. This, uh, this matter of getting enough sleep uh, reminds me, as we're recording this, we're in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. And this morning, I, I noticed a timestamp. I, uh, I got an email from a leader, a senior leader at a university at 2.54 a.m. And I'm assuming that's maybe a warning sign. I'd like to ask you, what are some of the warning signs that, that we need to pay attention to uh, when we look at self-care and think about how we're reacting to stressful situations? Well, of course, that would be very individualized. If you're more introspective and more attuned to stress and, and perhaps it's less of a major crisis and a little more minor crisis, you might notice something like I do. The first sign that, that I have is my stomach is all knotted up. For me, that tells me there's something stressful, there's something anxiety producing, you need to be thinking about it. Um, or it, you might notice that your mind is a little more restless or your mind is churning on the same fact or the same ideas over and over and wrestling with that. Now that's if you're a little more attuned to this kind of thing. I think for most of us, including me during crises, we don't tend to tune into those subtle signs. We're more focused on the problem that's going on. And so the signs usually get a little more intense. For many, many people, the first sign that they're going to see is that they are snapping at others more quickly. They are crabbier or grumpier than usual and maybe even snapping at their family or their trusted administrative assistant that they've worked with for many, many years without any trouble. You know, humans have this incredible system to fight off dangers. It evolved thousands of years ago, and it makes certain that you can respond within a second. So if you see a saber-toothed tiger or a woolly mammoth, say, 2,000 years ago, you wanted to respond quickly. But that's not the kind of dangers we face today. We still have that kind of system, and our tendency is to want to fight, flight, 
or freeze. So some people will notice that they are fighting with others verbally more frequently. Other people will notice that they have an urge to flee. And that often takes the form of just staying in their office, closing the door and not letting anyone in and sort of hoping that it all goes away. That, that really doesn't work either. That's a warning sign. Or the third one, freezing. People find that they can't make a decision. They're just almost paralyzed and can't figure out what to do. Those are some of the warning signs that individuals will notice. Um, you might get cues from other people if all this starts impacting your decision-making and some of your employees or your board of directors or other stakeholders note that the decisions you're making right now aren't the usual high quality decisions. Those are the, the typical warning signs that people see. Well, thank you. Uh, as, as I uh, consider uh, paying attention to others, uh, that brings to mind uh, getting help from others and uh, Dr. Ramsell, you have been an executive coach for over two decades. How can a, an executive coach help with self-care? Well, there's uh, a number of ways. First of all, I would say generally that executive coaches perform three basic functions to really simplify things. The first one is to give feedback. And in normal times, that's probably feedback in terms of a 360 assessment where you talk with bosses and peers and direct reports or take other assessment instruments online. In times of crisis, the feedback might be in terms of what you're noticing from the person that you're coaching. So I was coaching a, an executive in healthcare, which where I've done a lot of coaching over the years, um, just this week. And she is very tuned into the organizational problems they have to have more staff and they have to have staff trained to do different duties than what they're normally accustomed to. That's a huge job in healthcare. And so she is very, very much focused on that. And as I was talking to her, I said, well, how are you communicating with your own employees, your nursing staff? And, and she said, oh, I, I haven't done anything. I, I'm too busy with this other. I haven't given it any thought. So the feedback for her was, it's equally important. You're the role model for this group. So it's really important for you to communicate with them. So that was a nice way that I could provide um, feedback in the moment from something that I had observed with her. Another role that coaches often fulfill is challenging. And that means challenging people's worldview, challenging um, how they're reacting in the moment. I was talking with another um, person la last week and they were t in a crisis mode and they were noticing that their executive team wasn't all on the same page and he, wonder he was wondering what to do with that. And, and I was challenging him to say, oh my goodness, I know you're very much a participative leader, but this is a time of crisis. <laughs> you all need to be on the same page and there needs to be a single decision maker. You're the boss. That really needs to be you. So they can form a, a challenging role. And then the last one is support. And of course, there can be lots of supportive roles to play during a crisis for a coach. Um, even just giving permission to indulge in self-care or to um, think about communicating with other people and not spend every second of every day 
focusing on the problems can be a really nice supportive role for a coach. Great. Thank you. Now, you've anticipated my final question, but I, I'm going to ask it anyway in case you have some additional thoughts. So it's not simply about the leader and that leader taking care of himself or herself. Uh, leaders have a responsibility to others who are caught up in the stress and the crisis as well. So do you have any other suggestions uh, about uh, how leaders can help others take care of themselves in times of crisis? Sure. A, a couple of things. If you're a leader high up in the organization, you can set up a crisis support call-in center. Um, I talked with an organization that's doing that um, just this week, and they're going to have a, a call-in number that employees can call and just talk through things and kind of normalize things. Um, if you have an employee assistance program, you can send out reminders of that. Um, at the team level, you can help remind your team leaders and supervisors to allow their people to take breaks. They're going to need self-care just like you do. And so allowing them to take breaks, um, checking in briefly on their health for their, from their individual immediate supervisor, uh, make sure they have information about the crisis, all that can be really helpful at the team level. Probably the most important thing a leader can do in this area is to remember that they are the role model for their group of employees, whether they're the CEO or a team leader of 10 people. And so if they role model going home to get a little bit of sleep, talking about self-care, taking a break, those kinds of self-care behaviors, that will be enormously helpful in giving permission for the people that report to them to do the same. Dr. Ramsell, thank you. I really appreciate your time and uh, your wisdom uh, from your experience, uh, personal experience, and also uh, working with others as an executive coach. And I also want to thank all the listeners who have joined AAL Leadcast. And I would invite them back to AAL Leadcast for an additional interviews and insights about today's leadership challenges. And I'd also say if you would like to learn more about the Academy for Advancing Leadership, please visit our website, aalgroup.org. Again, thank you for joining AAL Leadcast.